Welcome to the Reputation Capital Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent, most days. And I'm Randy Baker. And on our Reputation Capital Podcast, we talk to guests who understand just how important reputation is to their business. And there's no doubt today we lean into the capital portion. So, so usually we're talking to folks who are maybe influencers or maybe they're, they're thinking about how to get visibility or how to get clients or this kind of thing. And what's, what's neat is uh, David Parker has some knowledge on that, but he also talks about the capital. And he talks about how to raise capital and the problems he had when he had to raise capital and how we can overcome those today. Super interesting conversation for startups, for folks thinking about scaling their business for you know just in general really fun to talk to david parker so here we go here's david parker nice to chat with you david i know we had some technology issues Uh, you gotta love technology in the day of um what are we in the age of these days uh i think i think we're in the age of uh technology (laughs) exactly so nice, nice to chat with you. If we ran into you on the street and said, "Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I apologize for, for you know, spilling your groceries there." What do you do for a living? Uh, how would you answer me? Well, I think my answer would be pretty easy. It would be, I'm in the business of helping startup companies raise money the easy way, because it's always been so hard for me over the last 35, 40 years. Uh, to put together that first chunk of cash. And I've, uh, I've gotten involved with um, some organizations that make it a lot easier for startups. And also for those companies that are, they've gotten their first chunk of money, but they discover suddenly, hey, you know what? It's really hard to get to the next round of funds. So that's what, that's what I love doing. So that's my, that's cool. that's my shtick. And we have we have some some things in common. I've worked a whole lot with a nonprofit called COT Education, uh, which is the continuing version of uh, CollegeOpenTextbooks.org, which was uh-huh. back yeah the early two thousands. And I know you're an open education guy as well. So I'm curious to kind of hear how you thread all those those needles why why startups are important why education is important still where it's going and um how capital ties into that and then i'll, I'll toss it to randy and he'll ask you the really hard questions <laughs> I, I like that well some of my well all of my uh startup companies that i built myself whether they were uh, when i was an innovator in the air force or building my my own first companies had to do with using educational technology, artificial intelligence, and things like that to improve and enhance the way people learn. Figure that that was one of the best ways that you can impact the most people's lives and help them to build new things and enhance the um, the overall you know society and and. Uh, you know, smarter people, better educated people make a difference. You know, that's, that's part of how it works. So, David, you're an advocate of crowdfunding. Can you explain to our listeners how that works and what it is? Sure. The kind of crowdfunding I'm interested in is equity crowdfunding. Regulation CF is 
how the SEC calls it. And on March 15th, the cap on that was raised to $5 million a year that a company could raise. They have to go through a portal. Uh, by the end of the year, there'll be about 180 different portals US-wide. And uh, individuals of practically any amount of money can be put into a company. So you, for example, I, we can start owning parts of companies that we're interested in. We don't have to be wealthy to do that. So you don't lose out on the, the Googles and the companies like that that you might spot when they're really young. And companies, and this is how you get past that gap I was talking about, companies can raise money anytime for any amount that they need to to get started or to get through a gap. And it's so much easier than what I had to do when I was building companies. With this crowdfunding concept, will we still have to be accredited investors to be able to buy equity in companies? No, that's the benefit. You don't have to be an accredited investor. Uh, you can earn, I won't, don't quote me on the numbers. You got to go through the SEC. The individual doesn't have to check the SEC, but for example, I'm, I'm involved with a, with uh, a fund a platform. And they, they have all the information. You got to go through their platform and they work with you. The SEC makes sure everybody um, is safe and you find out exactly how much you can invest. But it might be you can invest $100 if you have an income of $20,000. Right. So it's a, it's, a, it's a function of your income, a function of your assets, yeah. which allows you to invest small amounts of money or large amounts if you have a big income. Right. You might pay, if, you, if you've got $50,000 income, you might be able to invest $2,000. Right. Which is, which is pretty substantial. But you don't have to have a $200,000 income, which is, I believe, what makes an accredited investor, uh, in order to get involved in, in a startup company. Right. So one, one of the things I have noticed, I've been in business and around this area for a large number of years. Mm -hmm. One of the things I have noticed is that companies raise their first money, then they're racing to reach some sort of milestone to get their second raise. Yes. And the executives of the companies forget that their reputation, their personal reputations, their personal visibility is one of the things that drives um, big evaluations for the next, next round. In a crowdfunding environment, how do you uplift the reputation of the executives? Well, I think that this is where your organization shines exactly what what we're talking about here is that the sorts of things that you do to be successful in doing a crowdfunding raise say you're trying to raise five million dollars and you're looking to pull in ten thousand people averaging out to whatever that number is to get to your five million dollars that's a lot of people you've got to interest a lot of people maybe one in uh, 20 people that you talk to will or that see you on the website on the portal will put money in that's a pretty darn good reputation you've got to have and people are coming to the portal using social media 
which is the same thing that you do. You've got, what, 500,000 um, viewers. So those 500,000 viewers can really help a company attain and maintain that reputation. So a reputation is something that is extended out to social media. But ultimately, ultimately, your investors have to believe in and love the leadership and the CEO and the mission of the um, of the company. So it's the same thing. But don't get me wrong. Every successful crowdfunding uh, project typically has has a couple of small or maybe not so small venture capital firms putting some money in because they want they want to get involved as well. So I'm curious to to David to dive down a little bit um, because you've seen kind of the state of startups today, um, and we've seen that you know we know the statistics around the reputation of the CEO and the C-suite and how important that is and all that. But what have you actually seen? Is there a whole lot of resistance from the C-suite to kind of be publicly visible? Is there uh, resistance to the crowdfunding thing because you're supposed to do a different kind of fundraise. What are you seeing in the space and where do you think it's going? Well, I'll give you a couple of statistics. I believe it was TechCrunch, yeah, yeah. They reported that last year there were 750 VC-led seed rounds that averaged $2.2 million, okay? Seed rounds at 2.2. And there'll probably be somewhere around that number of crowdfunding rounds this year at somewhere around that amount of money. A couple of advantages that you have if you go through equity crowdfunding is you don't give up a board seat, number one, any board seats if you don't want to. You don't give up control and you set the valuation. You ask me if you're in the C-suite, those are the most, some of the most important things. And you keep your balance sheet clean because you can put all of those people that come into your crowdfunding into a single entity as a single LLC on your balance sheet. It's a beautiful thing. And um, I just wish that it had existed back in the late 90s when I was raising money from, from accredited investors. It would have been a lot easier. Yeah. So tell us that story uh, in, in a nutshell. In a nutshell, I, um, over a period of three months, I met with 85 accredited investors and uh, closed on 45 or 50 of them, something like that. People that I had not known at all. And this was to raise money to create an asynchronous online only education company. And it didn't exist. The whole concept of online learning didn't exist in, in 98. Google um, hadn't been dreamed up, right? Was that well, they were, right? had just been dreamed up? In 98, they incorporated. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, uh, it was a pretty cool thing. The first guy who wrote a check did so because I promised to create a course to help with dyslexia. And he struggled in school with dyslexia. That's the way it went. you got to figure out what the personal pain point was not the pain point of the comp what the company was going to solve so, so back in the day back then 
I know when I was part of a company that went public, anything with a dot-com after its name was able to raise money, even crazy ideas. And people were looking for, it was a whole new industry, a whole new concept. People were just wanting to get into it. These days, it's a lot more difficult. What are you seeing in terms of the industries that are, are gaining acceptance within the crowdfunding uh, area? Well, I'm seeing companies that are in or connected with the artificial intelligence sector. Mm-hmm. Any place where you can apply artificial intelligence to make an existing sector more efficient and effective and where you can increase ROI. So that's that's a, a huge thing. Another area is medical devices. Um, mm. That's a big one. Um, those have huge ROI. One of the biggest shortages in the, in the country here is people who have skills in machine learning, programming, and things like that. So uh, those are some of the areas where that's real stuff. That's not um, clicks and, and all that kind of stuff. It's people that build, stuff, build things that are real, solve problems, solve real problems that are demonstrable. Education is another big one because artificially intelligent education systems where you could take something like the what we've been doing over the last year and add artificial intelligence to that. It's already, it's already there, it's growing, but um, something that will make it a massive worldwide push. That's what, so, those are the kinds of things. So what's, what's your, um, if, if I were to just sort of ask you what your prediction is uh, for the future, what kind of, what, what kind of future are you seeing? Because it seems like we're at a pivot point, clearly also in your, I love the banner in your, in your LinkedIn, for example, where it shows the different epochs of the universe and, <laughs> you know, of, of our world, sorry. But, uh, you know, and how things have changed and we're clearly at a pivot point. We're clearly at a strange uh, time in history. So where are we going? I could say it in a nutshell. I think that the artificial intelligence will change the owners of content, educational content, from publishers to everybody in the world who knows some small amount of stuff, something, anything, right? Who knows how to do something that somebody else in the world will want to know. And that information can be gathered, it can be curated, and then using artificial intelligence and microlearning can be distributed to whomever is interested in it. And the people who are buying it pay a small amount of money, and the people who know it receive a small payment. I think that's where it's going. So I think the publishing houses are, are out. I think they're gone within 10 years. And I think universities are going to follow them. Interesting. And I I'm also, fascinated by the prediction on sorry. fascinated by the prediction on publishing houses in particular because I've thought for years that their sort of scalp everyone business model can't be that sort of long-term success and it, and, it, and then you know the those companies have kind of gotten further into that you know, despite 
the sort of internization of things, right? Internetization of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You know, got, as of about five years ago, I think there were 10,000 educational technology entrepreneurs, individual entrepreneurs, small companies working in the U.S. alone. Wow. You know, uh, Cengage and people like that can't buy them all. That was my, my, I have a line about that. I say, so publishing is the Titanic going down. It's okay. There are a lot of little boats all over the place. Just, just, uh, <laughs> just jump out and find one. <laughs> well, getting fired from, uh, before it was Cengage, it was Thompson Learning. Be- getting fired from Thompson Learning as their director of technology development, where I was working on uh, intelligent tutoring systems. And we, uh, I go into that at some other time, but getting fired from there was the best thing that ever happened to me because it spun me into building my own couple of first education technology companies. So oftentimes getting fired is one of the best things that can happen. And you wish that the, uh, you wish that the crowdfunding concept was in place back then would have made your life a whole lot easier. A lot easier because you know what I, when I raised my first million dollars, I didn't even have what today they call an MVP or mm-hmm. a, a working prototype. All I was doing was I was waving my hands around saying, you know, we're going to be able to build it for, you know, a hundred times less than it costs to teach a course at a college. And we can do this, we can do that, and we can reach the entire nation. And, you know, I was getting, people were driving up the highway to New Hampshire where my, where my office was and trying to uh, get there before the last, um, the last couple hundred thousand was, um, was yeah. floating around. And handing checks, you know, <laughs> it was amazing. So, well, that's been that's been awesome. So, David, we like to keep these relatively short conversations. We try sure. to keep them a little bit punchy and dig as deep as we can in a short period of time. How can people reach you or find you? And what sort of people are you looking to work with? I'm looking right now for people who. Well, I'm working on developing. The crowdfunding company I'm working with is taking initial moves towards establishing an accelerator that will be focused on the AI sector with a lot of um, training for people that will start out with eighty dollars to $120,000 a year jobs after six months, cost about ten k to go through that process. And I'm looking for people who are interested in those sorts of things. So I'm looking, nice. I'm looking for companies that want to um, want to get into that, and that's that's sort of the thing. So who want to do you know go through the crowdfunding process and raise money, and also who are interested in uh, getting trained up, and also uh, you know those those sorts of things. But they got to be fun. They got to they got to want to smile and laugh and. And have beers or or iced tea or whatever it is that they like. They kind of look the same, a a beer and an iced tea. So just hold up your glass. And if if it's got that sort of beer or iced tea color to it, we're all (laughs) good. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. And where can they find you? Where where can folks look you up? Oh, I'm uh, physically, I'm in Naples, Florida. Most of my contact information is, uh, is on my LinkedIn address and uh, it can be found easily there david parker 
Naples, Florida is the only one that'll show up, I'm pretty sure. But um, I use uh, uh, trisocial.ceo at gmail um, for my email address. So not not trisocial.ceo, as in like try that email, but as in the email address itself is trisocial. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> trisocial.ceo at gmail. Okay. Exactly. I love that you're sharing your email address. We, we get some folks to do that every once in a while, and we find it's a, it's a cool move. And so if anybody wants to reach out, they're going to get a nice response, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I like, to, I like to chat with people who have got interest. You know, I got a couple thousand, which isn't that many, I realize, but I got a couple thousand connections, uh, first level, on, on LinkedIn. Most of them are into ed tech or, or uh, mm-hmm. capital. So. Those are some pretty cool people, as you know. Very cool. Well, this has been fabulous, Dave. We really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. So thank you, Dave. That was just a most enlightening and interesting discussion. I really appreciate the whole crowdfunding thinking, the ability to raise up to $5 million a year from people who are not necessarily accredited investors. It's a game changer. What I love about that conversation with David, uh, Randy, is that it kind of felt like, you know, one of those, those back in the day, you'd have a car that wouldn't start. So you would, you would kind of push it down the mountain and then run after it (laughs) and pop it into, (laughs) pop it into gear. So we had some technical issues, uh, for quite a while before the interview. And, and so we had kind of a funny start, but then it just kind of revved up and revved up. And I wanted to keep talking for another half an hour. So I traveled uh, around Europe in a car like that. We had to always park it on a hill because we couldn't start it any other way. <laughs> it was kind of weird. But you guys, our listeners, don't have to do that because you can actually get your stuff started by going to thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's a little link on the top right-hand corner where it says... At the top of the hill, so to speak. Assessment at the top of the hill. <laughs> So spend a minute filling out the assessment. We'll chase it down the hill and jump in the the driver's seat and get this thing started for you. We'll help you pop the clutch. It'd be great. So if you would like to, you know, have us pop the clutch every day, you can poke one of these subscribe buttons or you can rate and review us if you like us. If you don't like us, then um, have a nice life. Actually, everybody have a nice life. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we hope you hear from us tomorrow. Tomorrow.